the Italian Wine Podcast is the community-driven platform for Italian wine geeks around the world. Support the show by donating at italianwinepodcast.com. Donate five or more euros and we'll send you a copy of our latest book, My Italian Grape Geek Journal, absolutely free. To get your free copy of My Italian Grape Geek Journal, click support us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. Grazie mille. Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. I'm Cynthia Chaplin, and this is Voices. Every Wednesday, I will be sharing conversations with international wine industry professionals, discussing issues in diversity, equity, and inclusion through their personal experiences working in the field of wine. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate our show wherever you get your pods. Hello, and welcome to Voices. This is Cynthia Chaplin, and today I'm so delighted to welcome Martha Cisneros Paja de Voices. Martha was raised in Mexico, and she's an engineer with a master's degree in information science, but much more important for us, she was named to Wine Enthusiast's list of future 40 tastemakers for 2023, and she's known on social media as the Wine Diva, and she founded Latinas Wine Club in 2020 to empower Latinas through wine education. So very much my jam, and I'm so glad to have you on the show, Martha. Thank you so much for making time. Oh, thank you very much, Cynthia, to you. Thank you for that warm welcome. Well, let's talk about how you got into wine. You said that growing up in Mexico, wine was not part of your table. There was beer or tequila, but never wine. And then you went to university in Madrid and Barcelona for a while, and you reconnected with your Spanish roots. And that experience sort of inspired you to learn more about wine. So Tell us what happened. How did you get interested and what did you do to get yourself into the wine world? Now, I grew up in a place with no wine and I found wine in university too. So I'm excited to hear this story. (laughs) Thank you, Cynthia. Yes. You know what? I think that's uh, many of us, you know, take college to explore alcohol and beverage and, um, you know, take the opportunity to travel. So that's kind of like what happened with me. As you mentioned, I spent some time studying in Madrid where I learned from my fellow students about the strong connection between wine and family traditions. When I worked in Barcelona, having wine after work or during special meetings was kind of like expected. So it was different from from my experience in Mexico, right? Like in Mexico, if you drink after work, like, you know, like after work every day, it's kind of like you're like a drunk or something like that, no? But here it was kind of like part of the life, the work life. So I had to learn very quickly, or at least try <laughs> to at least how to, to taste wine. But I had to say I had great callings in Spain. You know, the Spanish people is, is really, really very kind. Some of my colleagues were from different parts of Spain and others were from Catalonia. And it was always such a fun time. They were sharing with me so many insights about the wine uh, even though they were not experts because I was working in technology and studying about technology, it was part of their everyday culture. So I just became amazed that so many things can fit into a glass of wine, like the soils, right? Winemaking styles or stories behind the wineries and the culture around wine. It really made me fall in love and 
kind of like naturally I really wanted to learn more. I so get that. I, I lived in Barcelona as well for a couple of years um, when I was just getting interested in wine. And as you said, I mean, Catalonia, I like the fact that you said you know, some of your colleagues were from Spain and some were from Catalonia because it is really different. But uh, people did. It was part of everyday life and, and everyone talked about it, even if they had nothing to do with the wine industry. And it is so seductive. So I'm glad it caught you in the net. It, it definitely caught me too. So you've been very open about your early steps in the wine sector, you know, starting out and reading back labels and, and sharing your wine journey on Instagram. And I know you're a millennial. So how did that help you shape your wine journey and and the content that you put out, you know, going from not knowing anything about wine to learning a bit in Spain and then starting up, you know, your Instagram path? Yeah. So, well, before I left to, to Spain, I was living in Mexico and we were having kind of like sweet wines, you know, like I'm not going to say brands, but it was like kind of like a Lambrusco that was like super sweet. So being in Spain, I had tastes like so many different wines that I have never exposed to in Mexico. Then I came back to to Mexico for a while before immigrating to, to America. And, you know, I was like reading the back labels of the wine bottles. And I noticed that you can find helpful information in some of them, not all. Kind of like a note of the winemaker, parent suggestions, or, but at least in all of them, you will find the importer's name. And as someone that really pays attention into details, I learned to follow the importers of the wines that I enjoyed and try more of their portfolio because my thought was like, oh, if I like these and they are importing these wines, so maybe they have something else that I am interested in. And being a millennial, kind of like that was my lead, you know, uh, like following the people that I trust, their palate and I have tried many of their portfolios and I keep I keep doing that until this day. I am also interested in where my wine comes from or and whether it's sustainable or organic. With easy access to technology, I can quickly research the wine that I'm selecting with just a few clicks on my phone. As you know, technology has become definitely, you know, more accessible for my generation and research is way more easy. Information has been more it's more locally and readily available. That's so true. If I'd had Instagram and Google when I was starting out in wine, I'd be a master of wine, like running the wine universe by now. <laughs> that didn't exist back then. So I love hearing about people who, you know, really use that power for good. And you did. Yes. And on top of that, I have always enjoyed sharing the knowledge, right? Like spreading the knowledge, like, oh, I learned this and I share it. And in the early days of my Instagram account, that's how it was in Wine Diva. I used it as a tasting journal to snap pictures of the wine I was drinking and share my tasting notes. While aesthetics weren't a significant part of the platform then, my audience was very interested in my perspective and cultural background. By being authentic, I built relationships with both members of the audience and importers who send me samples and continue and I continue to try new vintages. I have even become friends with some of my audience because at the end of the day, it's a social network where you are meant to be social. 
And the cherry on top is that sharing that glass of wine in real life is, is really a great time. Of course, on Instagram and Facebook, the algorithm has changed over time with the addition of real videos and other digital configurations. But I remain true to myself. And I think that's something that people even tell me like, oh, you are like exactly the same as you are online when I meet them in person. So I remain true to myself and to my followers. I am selective with the samples that I receive or the paid collaborations that I make. But if I do not have an, an elaborate opinion about something, then I don't post about it. Yeah, well, I think that's such a key to your success because I, mean, I feel strongly about not ever, you know, writing about wine that I haven't tasted. Uh, and your your Instagram, you know, over the years that you've been curating it, your your personality is the same. I can see, you know, I haven't met you in person. I hope I will someday soon, but. Uh, I can see what people mean that, you know, you really have stayed the same and your content just gets better and better, but you remain the same person, clearly, really authentic. You're never hesitant to say, wow, I didn't know about this wine and now I've found it. And it's very approachable and very accessible. So I love that you took that point of view and really put your foot down and insisted that you weren't ever going to you know, be something you're not just to get more likes or to, you know, get more free wine or whatever. So, and I think that is a pitfall with, you know, social media nowadays, but you're so right. It was meant to be social. So I'm delighted to hear that you've become actual friends in real life, you know, not just sort of cyber friends with people who follow you. You've also become a Kava brand ambassador, a writer, a blogger, an educator, a sherry specialist, and you published a book recently on Mexican wines, which we will talk about in a minute. But most people take years and years and years to get to this point in their wine career. And you did it all in like seven or eight years. You know, what is driving you to do this? You've got over 18,000 followers on Wine Divas. You know, I'm sure you have more in other places as well. So how did you combine your love of wine and social media and create this enormous, approachable, really likable success that you have? Well, I have a literary coach who told me that my passion is what drives me to keep going. And I swear by it. It's the passion. I spent seven years working on winediva.com, but it took me many more years to build the skills to achieve that. For instance, I have loved books since I was seven years old. And I always thought that I would be a journalist, but my early exposure to technology through my engineer father led me to become proficient with computers. While in college, I pursued a degree in technology engineering, but my heart has always been drawn to communication. During my time in college, I hosted a radio show, I organized music concerts, and I was always supporting underdogs, which is something that I still do today as it relates to wine. Uh, it took me seven years to establish myself in the wine industry through the creation of WineDiva.com and Latinas Wine Club and my book, but it took me way longer to work on the skills needed to write a book. I invested in a creative writing coaching. You know, I, I completed a bachelor's and a master's degree in technology engineering and information science, which I think has been those skills that I built that during college and and my master's degree helped me to learn about strategy, content, social media marketing, and of course now into automation of, of tasks. 
I also built a team that I trust to get the job done. So my team and I believe in storytelling with a strategic approach. We have developed the ability to repurpose long format content into shorter formats and keep track of editorial calendars from both Latinas, Wine Club and Wine Diva. That's so important. I understand that from the business end of the wine sector that I work in here at Wine to Digital and Vinitaly International. So I think you really got your feet under you before you got your face out in public. So let's talk about Latinas Wine Club for a minute. You founded it in 2020 with the goal being clearly to help other Latinas believe they belong as wine consumers and wine professionals. What gave you the idea? You know, it was COVID times. What were you thinking about and seeing in your community that prompted you to start Latinas Wine Club? Are you enjoying this podcast? Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local foods, and taking in the scenery. Now, back to the show. During COVID times, I was living in Astoria, Queens, and... It was so palpable, right? Like you can see the businesses going down. I have a couple of friends that lost their jobs in restaurants, um, many other wine bars very close to me. They were close, closing the business. And I was reflecting entirely on what was happening in the industry. So then I thought what I can do to help. So I knew how to do social media. I, I had Wine Diva for some time already. So I started another Instagram page to share stories of Latinas in wine. And that's how Latinas Wine Club started. Since I already had a passion for wine, getting to know the stories of Latinas in wine give me like a an idea to advocate for my community on the wine industry. The advocacy to support fellow Latinas interested in wine or early career professionals, it became kind of like the base to for me to create and incorporate Latinas Wine Club. We leverage the Instagram page to a platform that educates Latina consumers and celebrates and promotes Latinas in wine. Also, I want to see more Latinas in wine. When I started professional studies, I was the one of the only Latinas in the room. And that often repeated. I participated in many master classes here in New York, and I was the only Latina. The next time I joined WSET class, I thought it was going to be different that I will, I will find more Latina professionals or like students. And again, I was the only Latina. Then another master class and I was the only Latina. So I started to notice a pattern and it's been challenging, but a rewarding uh, journey so far. And I am excited to see where it takes me next. Well, it, it has been super interesting to watch and you've got some very, very serious goals for Latinas Wine Club. You know, you've said you want to help Latinas pursue aspirations for holding managerial positions and becoming wine curators for stores and restaurants, you know, and just simply bringing about awareness for the need for more diversity in wine. As you said, you know, getting more Latinas in the room, you know, all the rooms in the psalm room, in the tasting room, in the classrooms, all these places. So tell us about your strategy for achieving these goals. I know you are a big believer in strategy. So what is Latinas Wine Club going to do to engage people and, and help them actually get these things into their life, get their foot in the door, get their seat at the table? What's the strategy? Yeah, well, 
in person, we are actively involved in like grassroots efforts, as well, of course, as the strategy on the digital aspect of our work, along with creating and sharing content based on our wine school topics or editorial calendar, we have also started involving our ambassadors to produce content. However, we still believe in the one-on-one communication with our consumers and early career professionals through texting, emailing, and personal interactions. Recently, I heard a great success story of one has become a good, very good friend. It's one of the ambassadors here in New York. She's becoming a sommelier at a very well-known restaurant in Manhattan. And I remember when she told me, oh, I, I had the opportunity to become a sommelier in, in this French restaurant. And I was like, okay, let's take you there. And we shared the knowledge. She came to the wine school. I shared some books that she had to read. And she did it. We have been coaching her for a while. And now we're looking to expand this model to other chapters and, of course, through potential partnerships. Uh, yeah, this is these are you are active. It's not just a lot of words. You are taking action and calling other people to act with you, as you said, partnerships as well. And I'm fascinated by your, you know, the educational arm of Latinas Wine Club. I'm a wine educator. Uh, I work with Vinitali International and the Italian Wine Ambassador program that we have, and I teach for WSET and. I'm a professor of Italian wine as well. So I want to hear about the wine school that Latinas Wine Club has now and how you're running it, how the aspect is going, how many students do you get per semester and what's their feedback like? You know, are they getting jobs after they take your courses? You know, are you breaking down these stereotypes and helping really support these people into the industry? You know, how is the wine school going to grow? Fill us in. Yes, definitely. Well, this is... This is the third year of the wine school, and I have to say the the first year and the second year, it was kind of like the, we put out the content that we thought we needed to, like wine basics and like, you know, the top regions of the world, like France, Spain, Italy. But then uh, at the end of the second year, we asked our our members, hey, why do you want to study? And they fill out the survey and we we were amazed had to receive that they were interested in in getting to know like different uh, upcoming regions like wines of Georgia, uh, wines of Germany or like Austria or Greece that maybe these are like not, you know, regions that are established, but for like coming from millennials mostly, it was very interesting to see that they were interested in getting to know like different regions that we do not talk often. So this third year, we had classes around wines of Georgia, wines of Greece, wines of Austria, and the feedback was just great. They were absolutely engaged with the content, inviting friends. For the virtual part of the wine school, we do uh, Zoom classes, and um, we often have in between 15 to 25 people. For the in-person events, we do in-person events in New York and um, in Austin, we have like one or two events per year. It's just two partners on Latinas Wine Club and we're really very busy. Uh, so yeah, I know, I know. Yes, we we have great dreams uh, in the sense that we even plan to be a certified provider there with WSET, but there's a long waiting line there. So we may incursionate in that uh, later, you know, maybe by the fifth year. Now we're going to still driving it with what our consumer base wants to know. 
and still running the digital and the in-person events. Well, it's so interesting what you said about your students' feedback because you know we we all hear these terrifying messages you know in the news recently about young people aren't drinking wine and they're not interested in wine and how to get them back involved in wine, how to keep the wine industry young and vibrant and interesting and on its feet. And the feedback that they want to really learn about emerging markets more than old world markets is fascinating because, of course, WSET, you know, being a global certification and having been in business for, you know, what it must be now, about 70 years, uh, you know, they they focus on old world wines. There's no two ways about it. They talk about new world wines, but the focus is really on old world wines. So your students asking for Georgian wines and emerging wines and, you know, sort of more niche regions, Greece, things like this is fascinating to me. I think this is really the future. You know, if we want people to get involved in wine education, we have to give them what they want to learn about. So I think you're on the right track there. That's that's amazing to me. So I can't wait to see where you go with that. As you said, it's only the third year of the school. So goodness only knows what you'll achieve in the next couple of years. But I want to talk about your book, too, before I let you go back to your day. Your new book, Mexican Wines, A Guide to Fall in Love with Wines of Mexico, which you published just this year. So first of all, huge congratulations on that. That's, that is amazing and quite an achievement. And obviously, Mexico is your birthplace, so it makes sense for you to write this particular book. So why are there not more books about Mexican wines? You know, tell us what you discovered during your research and the writing process. You know, how is the wine industry in Mexico and what do you think of the wines and their ability to take a bigger place in the world? This is another emerging market. You know, I'm sure your students are asking for more info about this. Yes, exactly. Well, I, I thought it was the first book about Mexican wines, but through my research, I found out that there were a couple, I think one or two in English, just about Valle de Guadalupe. But what is different about my book is that I wrote it in a time uh, that the Mexican wine industry in Mexico is consolidating. And by that, I mean it's expanding to just not Baja wines, there are more wine regions in Mexico. On top of that, consolidation of the wine industry means that there are many actors involved, not just the producers. Uh, of course, the importers have a very important part there creating the routes to export from Mexico the, these wines, the wine routes, some of them are not in place. Also, the distribution, it's still something that is growing in America and other countries. The wine industry in Mexico is fairly new. It, say, it has like around 30 years or so. And I think the main shift that I have seen, of course, for the last 30 years is that they are focusing on quality over quantity. And getting back to the point of the actors involved, I think the support of the local government in supporting the different wine regions and the wine routes that in Mexico are kind of like consolidating is going to be great for the next years. Mexico is very big for tourism on the beaches, but I think wine tourism is just going to get at some point to that level because they have the potential, they have the magical towns close to many of the wine routes. And I think uh, that we're going to see exponential growth on that side. That will take definitely bigger place in the hearts of the wine lovers because 
um, and I'm talking about American consumers being so close to Mexico, it's just like, I mean, of course we want to go to France and Italy, but Mexico is so close and we can get there like, you know, just in a few hours, be there and enjoy the Mexican wines and the experience of the of the people, the Mexican people, right? Absolutely. What, who's your favorite producer? I mean, that's a, a terrible question. It's like, who's your favorite child? But who's your favorite producer in, in Mexico? Or who do you think is sort of leading the charge right now? Leading the charge, I think around the 1970s, there were a couple of wineries that really shifted uh, their view, their vision, and they wanted to focus on quality. And those producers, I'll say one that I'm the most impressed with is Montechani because Montechani has understood and has focused on quality and not also on quality of the product, but also the quality of the experience. The winery in Baja is impressive. The distribution in America is getting there. Uh, the importer is very engaged, you know, working together with, uh, you know, with the distribution and all that. And I think that we're going to see great things coming from Montetanic. Uh, just to mention, they, they recently won the best Cabernet uh, of the world in a recent com- competition by Concourse Mundial de Bruxelles. So I think it's a, it's a producer to watch, Montetanic. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's interesting what you said about, you know, the, it's sort of a 360 degree experience with them. You know, enotourism is big now. You have to have a, a winery that welcomes people to come and visit, uh, to see where the grapes are growing, to see where the wine is made. You know, as you pointed out, you know, millennials and, and Gen Z and everyone else so interested now in where their wine comes from and is it sustainable and is it organic? And Monticenic is really um thrown open the doors and, and welcome people and really created a, a tourist experience that draws people in and they're telling their story. So I'm, I was thrilled when they won the prize and I'm glad to hear you say that the distribution is going well because I, I didn't know much about how they were doing that way. And that sounds great. To, it's good to know that they're getting out there now, especially after that win. So um, Mexican wine, I think is going to be, yeah, definitely something to, to watch. So I know at the moment you're in New York um, and there's a very vibrant wine scene there and has been for obviously such a long time, um, no matter whether you're a wine lover or a wine professional or something in between. So what are your plans for the next couple of years? You know, what projects have you got coming out? Because I know you never sit still and I know that um, Latinas Wine Club is going to grow and Wine Diva, you're always so busy. So what have you got coming up for 2024 in the near future? Yeah, of course. Well, uh, for Latinas Wine Club, I am working on a, I'll say, artistic uh, project uh, that is aimed to showcase a diverse range of individuals, Latinas associated with the club, whether are consumers or professionals, uh, to a broader audience. I think this project will also help highlight the opportunities available within our niche to those who may not have recognized it yet, especially within the industry. So it's going to be something big and I'm very excited. (laughs) And then I am considering also taking time to focus on complementing and completing and passing the certificate sommelier program that I started two years ago. I got a scholarship through the Code Master of Sommeliers and I passed the intro sommelier exam, but I still have to buy the certificate. 
So my primary focus will be to enhancing my service skills. So definitely working on that. And I think I'm already working on my second book, which is more related to to the experience of being Latina in the wine industry in New York. That's fantastic. Well, we wish you so much success, and I'm so happy that you had time to talk to me today. I know so many of my listeners are going to be really, really interested to hear your story and you know, not only sort of the challenges, but the achievements that you've had and all of the goals you've got coming up and the exciting new projects. I'm going to keep my eye on that for sure. So thank you so much, Martha. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Cynthia. It has been a pleasure. Thank you for listening. And remember to tune in next Wednesday when I'll be chatting with another fascinating guest. Italian Wine Podcast is among the leading wine podcasts in the world and the only one with a daily show. Tune in every day and discover all our different shows. You can find us at italianwinepodcast.com, SoundCloud, Spotify, Himalaya, or wherever you get your pods.